0: They say that in a lecture or in a class or something that you always remember the first thing that you hear and the last thing you hear, right? Well, I, don't, I guess that I assume that's true. They, you keep hearing that again and again. The first and the last thing—that's that's the, the most important things. So I was praying about, Lord, this is the last homily that I'm going to give for a while, at least. Um, so what do, what do you want to say? Um, what what do you want to tell the people um, on this on this last day, right? And so I was praying. I feel like I heard the Lord say something that I've heard a couple times before. um, As I I pray, Lord, what what do you want the homily to say? The phrase that I heard was, just tell them how much I love them. And two words particularly jumped out at me as I I heard that. He said, just tell them how much I love them. How much. Because I'm convinced that if we could truly grasp the reality of that sentence, if we could really accept and believe the the fullness, if we could really just begin to perceive how much that love is, we would be transformed. That would change everything. Our whole world would would be a completely different place if we could grasp the reality of just how much he loves us. And I think the three readings that we have today speak specifically to that spot as we're, as we're, we're wrestling with that. Because when we hear that statement, I think at least when I hear that statement, one of two things are my usual defaults. When I hear that, I think, number one, okay, yeah, 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 I've heard that before. Um, let, let's move on to something else. Like, I've heard that since I was three. Thank you. But what's, what's implicit in that is almost, it, it's a, a denial of, of, the, of the transformative reality of it. Like, okay, I, he, I can accept that he loves me, but it's not changing me. It's not transformative. I'm not really grasping the reality of it, I'm de- or maybe de- even denying the reality of it. Or the other way is that that might be true for some people, but that's not that can't be true for me because of X, Y, Z, whatever it is. He may love you like that, but he can't love me like that. It's not it's not true for everybody, right? Because of I mean, look at me, right? And I think as, as we struggle with that and as we come to grasp the reality of that the readings speak to that struggle. In the first reading, the prophet Jeremiah wasn't exactly one of the most well-liked prophets. He was kind of one of these doom and gloom guys, so he, he would always come preaching pretty harsh messages. See, he lived at a time whenever the people of Israel were pretty self-reliant, they were, they were far from the law, they were worshiping every other god they could think of, breaking every rule that they could have, going further and further away. They had kings who weren't calling them back, but were in fact encouraging them to go further and further off the track. And Jeremiah came, and basically to tell the people, look, if you continue to do this, it's not going to end well. You're going to be destroyed. You're going to be defeated and scattered. The nation is going to crumble. These are all the things that are going to happen if you continue to persist in this. The Lord desires you to come back. And the people didn't like being challenged, we don't like being challenged, right? Whenever someone challenges us, I think a lot of times we either kind of puff up, we get defensive, we push back at the person who challenges us, or we rationalize it away. We make excuses, we say, yeah, but this, that, or the other, and and I'm going to stay where I'm at, right? People of Israel did a whole lot more of the former to Jeremiah. They, They persecuted him a lot. They beat him, they imprisoned him, they cast him out, they exiled him again and again and again. As often as Jeremiah came to preach this message of, of repentance, the people rejected him, persecuted him, and pushed him away. And I'm, I, I'm struck not so much by the person of Jeremiah, but by the people of Israel, because they were a people who were, who were literally created and established by God. God brought this people together. He took them out of slavery, out of a foreign land, brought them through the desert to a new land, to a home that was made just for them. He defeated every enemy that came before them, got them through every kind of trial and difficulty, every famine he provided for them, every enemy he led them to victory. The scriptures say that there's no, there was no nation in history that had a God so close to it as the Lord was to Israel. There was a particular relationship between God and that people. And I'm struck by how that people to get to a point where they're rejecting the messengers constantly of the God who had done so much for them, again and again and again. And I think about that, and I think about there's probably some similarities, I think, between the people of Israel and us when we're confronted with this reality of God's love for us. Maybe the people of Israel would think, yeah, 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 we've heard that, we've been told that all the time, but I have these problems here, and we need to do something about it, so I'm going to go and do what I can to fix it, right? Or maybe they think, well, we've, we've turned away so many times, God can't possibly welcome us back this time, so we're going to have to go to this other God, to this other nation. Israel would literally go to every other nation possible, every other God possible, to find the solution to their problems, and they would never go to the Lord. And I imagine because of how they started, they had this initial fervor. They were the Lord's chosen nation. They had this desire to be particularly united to the Lord. But over time, that fervor faded. Over time, they began to compromise. They be- began to choose themselves over the Lord. I mean, like, that's like us a lot of times. We desire to be faithful, we desire to follow the Lord. We're here at Mass you don't even have to be i have at least some some desire to follow the lord i desire to be faithful i wake up every day and say lord jesus i'm going to i'm going to live this day for you i'm going to give myself and i give this whole day to you right but how many times does the end of the day end like that do we follow through with that commitment each one of us like the people of Israel have these situations these these realities where it's like almost like this, this price that once we hit this limit, then, well, I tried, right? It reminds me of the story of Jacob and Esau, two brothers. And Esau was the oldest brother. And he, as the oldest brother, he had the birthright. He had the father's blessing. He had this particular place in the family of Israel. And on this one particular day when he was, I guess, just really hungry, he sold that birthright. He sold that blessing for a bowl of stew. On that day, Esau's price was was, was dinner. And I think each one of us is like Esau, in a sense. Each one of us is like Israel. We all have, in a sense, our price that we're willing to, once we hit that point, we we compromise, we cave. It's a question I think we can all ask ourselves. What's my price that I'm going to deny Jesus for? Right? Maybe it's convenience. Maybe I'm just too busy. Maybe I have all this stuff going on and I just can't give the time to focus, so I'm going to choose, choose the stuff that I have to get done. Right? Maybe it's status. Maybe it's you know what other people think. Maybe it's pleasure, whatever it is. Maybe I'm going to follow Jesus up until that person just really did that. He just really got on my nerves and did whatever he did to me, and so now I just got to give him back what's coming to him or talk about him or whatever it is. We all have this price, that we're willing to to be to, to deny Christ for, deny the love that he has for us, and act with what, what we think is best. We come to a point where we realize that. We realize, gosh, I'm no better than Israel. Again and again and again, I deny Jesus every single day. And we can think, is this even possible? Is it even worth it? Can I really be the saint that they say that I'm supposed to be? And I think when we're in that spot, that the words of Jeremiah ring especially true. The Lord is with me like a mighty champion. He has rescued the lives of the poor, of the lowly. He has not abandoned me. When we're tempted to give up, Jesus says, fear no one. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of all these things, all these fears, because the Father knows every single hair on your head. You've probably heard that phrase before, but think about that. The Father knows every single hair on your head. So don't be afraid. Because the Father knows you. And the Father loves you. Just let them know how much I love them. Enough that no matter what happens, nothing is going to get in the way of that. And that he's going to welcome you back again and again and again and again and again. Israel eventually would come back. They would eventually recognize that and come back to the Lord and Jeremiah would offer them the love that God had been longing to give to them this whole time. But what about those times when we pull away? Those times when we deny Christ? Those times when we compromise? St. Paul says in the second reading, that's not something we can ignore. Every single one of us is affected by sin and death. That's a reality. That's true and, and, and God knows that, we know that. We can't pretend that that's not there. But St. Paul says, how much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many? How much more did his grace flow over that? A couple of sentences later, St. Paul writes that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more as much as we're present and aware of our sin, of the ways that we fail, that much more is grace present. That much more is the love of God present in that spot. How much does He love us? So much so that He's going to persist through our excuses, our dismissals, our rejection, our sins, no matter what it is, and encounter us in that spot. Just tell us, tell them, How much I love them. That on today, this day when we honor fathers, the Father gives us the greatest gift that he can give us. Because true joy doesn't come from status, things, scores, whatever it is, relationship even. True joy comes from knowing that we are loved no matter what. That joy, that security, that peace that our hearts are longing for comes from knowing that we are loved no matter what. And there's few things, I believe, in this world that are more healing than the love of a father. And so today, the father offers us that to us anew. Just tell them how much I love them. And fathers... You're here on this world to be our concrete reminders of God the Father. Just let them know how much you love them. That's what, if that's what, the, Father's, that's what the, Father, the desire of the Father's heart is that we know his love. Let them know how much I love them. There's a particular security in that. So if you remember anything from this homily, anything at all, remember that. Please don't forget that, how much he loves. Because if we really grasp that, which is a lifelong mission, we're never going to get it. The beauty of that love is that it's ever deepening. Every single day, it becomes new and it becomes renewed. And it becomes reconfirmed. Every time we struggle, God is right there to reconfirm that reality, to remind us of So don't forget that, because grasping that and holding on to that reality is what's going to change everything. Amen.